Hey everybody, it's Dave here, Darren over there. We are your two old bloggers and we're here today on this Saturday to give you the pregame show of the Minnesota Vikings hosting the Detroit Lions, the Motor City Kitties. How will they do this week? We have no idea. We do know how they've done the last two weeks and we're going to talk about it. But first, we have three themes as usual. First one, should be should we be worried about what happened on Monday night? That was an embarrassing and humiliating loss by your Minnesota Vikings. There were a lot of things that went wrong. Things that should have gone better. We're promised that they would. Propaganda was there. <laughs> he likes his quarterback, etc., etc., etc. We will get into that. That's theme one. Theme two. What about the class of 2022? How outstanding have they done so far? We've got one starter out of the bunch. He is improving. And uh, so we'll see. We'll talk about the other ones, especially to see how they're doing, because we may see some today then or tomorrow. And then the final theme, we're going to look into that Vikings versus Lions game. Can that Lions juggernaut, the one that's scoring 35 points a game, something we should be doing, can they continue that against your Minnesota Vikings? The winner of the game will lead the division. Who knows? We'll find out right after this. Climb in the pocket. Bailey Norseman and Lake Monster Brewing presents Two Old Bloggers. Hey, everybody. It's Dave here again. Warm, sunny. Central Texas, we're going about to hit 100 degrees today, but not in Yellowknife. How are things up there, there, Darren? It's cooled off considerably, David. Uh, I think we had a little dust, a little bit, a little, little bit of flurries here this morning. Oh. Um, but, uh, yeah. <clears throat> anyway, it's uh, late September in Yellowknife, and that's the kind of shit you get sometimes. So yeah. <clears throat> you just got to deal with it. I got you. It's normal. Uh, it's normal. Hey, I'm looking at friends up in Minnesota and even Illinois and Massachusetts and stuff, and they're getting in those nice fall temperatures, bringing out the hoodies and the sweaters and the disgusting pumpkin, whatever. And uh, But I'm happy for them. It is my favorite season of the year. I just don't get it till November down here. So with that, let's get this show started. We today are going to talk about we expect better. The coaches said it. The players said it. We as fans say it. We expect a whole lot better of this team. And it should be. We were promised so much. Hey, it's a competitive rebuild. We've got the team. We've got the coach. We've got the head uh Head shed and Quasi Adolfo Mensa. Everything is kumbaya. Everything is awesome, baby. Right? And uh, we're going to expect better. So, with that, let's get this going. Theme one. Theme one, we're going to start out with Monday night. Oof, David. <laughs> uh, uh, yes, Monday night. Uh, that didn't go very well. Uh, not at all. 
Um, for Vikings fans who are used to, uh, who got used to Mike Zimmer's teams coming into games, particularly uh, primetime games, looking unprepared, uh, unmotivated, unable to make in-game adjustments to stop things. This looked very familiar and concerning uh, because that's exactly what they looked like Monday night against the Eagles. And uh, like you said, yeah, that was, uh, you know, with the O'Connell coming in, Quasi uh, the you know, the new brain trust, weren't we supposed to have an explosive offense under Kevin O'Connell? Like, wasn't, uh, <laughs> you know, weren't, uh, weren't, wasn't Kirk Cousins going to be, you know, a different version of himself a better version of himself with Kevin O'Connell mean, you know playing under Kevin O'Connell wasn't going to the three four and bringing in guys like Harrison Phillips and Jordan Hicks and and Zedaria Smith wasn't that going to fix the the Vikings poor run defense last year uh, we saw none of that Monday night David and uh, you know it was it was sad and uh, and again uh, a, a little bit concerning because yeah, like I said, we'd we've been expecting better. Uh, we've been, you know, the, everybody's been saying it. The players have all been saying it. Uh, how you know this is going to be? You know, they felt different. Things felt different. They felt good, uh, and uh, you know, it just didn't happen Monday night. Uh, I think that, but I guess, I guess the what a positive out of that, or at least what I do like about what happened after the game Monday night was that. Um, you know, the way Kevin O'Connell handled things. And he said in his presser, he said, look, guys, this is on me. Uh, I need to do better. And that, I think, is a smart uh, play by him. It's what Sean McVay does when he loses. He, he gets right up there in front of everybody and says, look, this isn't on the players. I have to do better. I should have prepared better. It's on me. And obviously, Kevin O'Connell had had learned from that. Uh, I think you know the the problem is, of course, is that uh, you know that's talk, right? Uh, but what is he what is he going to do now uh, over the next few days to to prepare them better? What's going to be different? Uh, it, it I believe that uh, you know putting it all on him is uh, you know it, the players are going to like that because uh, it shows that he's not throwing them under the bus like Zimmer used to do sometimes. And uh, I think you know I feel at least early on they can be confident that Kevin O'Connell's got their back. He's not going to go into the press and say uh, you know allude that they're the problem. He's put it squarely on that loss that he was the main problem, and that takes a lot of, I think, a lot of um, of, um, of uh, pressure a bit off the players too. Uh, and you know, he's saying, "Look, we've got good players." That's what he's telling the media. We've got good players. If I and our coaching staff prepare them better, give them better game plans, we're going to beat. The, we're going to play better than our opponents, and we're going to beat a lot of opponents. That's what he. That's the message he was throwing out there this week. But now you got to follow it up and actually do that uh and uh, david uh, you know there was some concerning lots of concerning things from that game uh you can you can you know talk to me about it one of them is it right up there right now is like kirk cousins um you and i and many other viking fans have said uh we know the criticisms out there we've made them ourselves uh and again but this year was supposed to be a bit different for him, or at least the best chance for it to be different for Kirk Cousins. He was playing under a coach that likes him in an offense that should be catered and that he should thrive in. 
But what we saw Monday night, David, uh, we were conversing over social media, but what we saw last night, David, is, is the Kirk Cousins that people complain about all the time, not just in prime time, but, but in other games too, they, where he, he looked, he didn't look, he didn't play loose. He didn't look confident out there. Uh, he seemed to be very quickly, he to check down all the time. Uh, Philly's got that defense where they say, in particular, they say, uh, you know, we're not going to let you get the big play on us. We're going to keep things in front of us and we're going to make you like grind out drives. But, uh, but, you know, at some point we've got the players who can beat those defenses, either the slow way, or I think getting some big plays. And I felt too often that Kirk Cousins was, he, he get the, he get the ball I didn't feel his pass protection that was that bad, but he didn't seem to trust it. Uh, and uh, he was like, he get the he get the snap. Uh, he took one two looks. He didn't like what he saw, and was immediately checking it down to Irv Smith or Dalvin Cook or somebody short. And sometimes, a lot of times, those guys weren't really open either. But he threw it there. Uh, he just didn't go for it. And um, I saw there was one stat where it kind of you know backed it up where he was like. Um, I think four for 10 uh, for like 50 some yards and two interceptions on throws that were over 10 yards or more airtime. That indicates that he wasn't very successful at all uh, throwing the intermediate to long throws. And uh, this offense, you've got to be able to do that, David. Um, Oh, I agree. And it's not just Kirk. Yes. Bad Kirk showed up. He saw ghosts. He was flustered. Um, he showed up, but it wasn't all <laughs> on him. It, it was a whole team approach uh, that uh, got that loss. Now, did he affect it? Oh, of course, because the quarterback's the most important person on the field. He touches the ball every offensive play. He sets the tone. He tries to get things going where they should be going. Uh, he failed. There was the big discussion all week about the one play that was a zero rush by Philadelphia, where they rush more people than we have blockers. Uh, I made the comment that our offensive line did not do their blitz blocking well. They blocked three out of the uh, six rushers, five guys blocking three. Even with five on five, the math is still wrong. But they did it wrong. They didn't have anybody in the backfield. They didn't have any hot routes. Kirk Cousins... That's where he fell back through one of his interceptions up. It was a bad, bad play. They didn't prepare, and I throw this on O'Connell, they didn't prepare for stuff like that, which they know or should have known could come. That's yeah. always an option in football. If we had on Wednesday, we had Glover Quinn on the show, and Glover was saying, basically boiled down to, you do not have to take away Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen to beat the Vikings. The key to beating the Vikings is you score early, and then you make Kirk Cousins uncomfortable. When Kirk Cousins is uncomfortable, and he's throwing the ball faster, he's feeling things, ghosts and whatever, he's checking down, you will win. He says it's worked every single time. If a team can make Kirk Cousins uncomfortable, they win. The offense does not play as well. Now, that makes perfect sense. Yes, we've all seen it. We've watched Kirk Cousins throughout these years so far, 
And we see when he gets uncomfortable, he plays poorly, right? Well, that's where a coach needs to step up and goes and, you know, go, whoa, Nelly. All right. We know you're uncomfortable. We need to change things up. We need to make things more rhythmic. We need to get guys that weren't involved, involved. Adam Thielen, right, who got the great cardio workout in the first half and didn't see a pass thrown to him once, right? He may be slower than he was three years ago, but he still has hands like glue. He is the Chris Carter type in this three deep. He can catch a ball thrown to him, no matter where, how, whatever. He can catch a ball. We get to the running game, where we didn't have very much there either. Drew just posted 10 touches. Uh, you can't get, you can't stop a defense or give them the threat of the run without attempting to run the football, right? And it's got to be a holistic approach. You and I talked about this yesterday. This is what scares me of this game. Everybody came in saying, I got to push it to Justin Jefferson. We did it in game one. It's so great. We got to push it to Justin Jefferson. He's got to take on the Cooper Cup role. We've been hearing that for months, right? We got to push it to Justin Jefferson. It sounds an awful lot of like the Randy ratio of Mike Tice, right? Mike Tice came up with, hey, when Randy got the ball, the majority of the time, 75% of the time, we won football games. Yeah, so we're going to try to get him the ball 75% of the time. We'll win football games, right? Well, what did the opposing teams do? They shut it down, right? Because they go, oh, we know what you're going to do. You're going to get the ball to Randy Moss. We're going to shut down Randy Moss. We're going to shut down your quarterback, and boom. We win football games. That's the way it works, right? You don't do that. Yes, you may want to get the ball more to Justin Jefferson. I would too. He's great. He he may be the next greatest wide receiver ever. But you've got to do it in a holistic sort of approach. Take the Aaron Rodgers bit. Do some mushrooms. Throw your ass to the sun. Do whatever. But it's got to be a full, we've got to mix in the run. We've got to get... Uh, you know, Dalvin Cook going, get him, you know, lathered up and running well. We've got to get balls out to Adam Thielen, get the possession, move the chain stuff. We got to get uh, KJ Osborne across the middle, him catching balls so we can get that going, right? You may try a couple to Irv Smith. He needs to still get back, knock rust off. And in between those, on shots down the field, if Irv is open, you take those. Right? You just don't focus on one or two things. You focus on the whole. You mix it up. That way the defense can't focus on, hey, we've got him uncomfortable. He's got to throw the ball. That means we're going to make him even more uncomfortable. We're going to pin our ears back and we're going to rush the ball. Right? That I blame on Kevin O'Connell. Kevin O'Connell's a rookie coach. All right, we give him a pass. Kevin, I'm giving you a pass on that game. That game was absolutely horrible. Right? But I'm giving you a pass. We'll chalk that up as a mulligan. You've got to learn from it. And believe you me, if you come out every loss and go, oh, it's my fault, that's my fault, that's going to get tired awfully fast. That's right, right. yeah. Even, that's right. even Mike Zimmer said at times, that was my fault, right? But then Mike Zimmer got too blunt and says, nope, Anthony Barr was sitting on his ass or doing whatever the hell it was, right? And he'd take players out uh, in public. You don't want to do that either. If you noticed afterwards in the postgame, there's one coach on this team that did not say, 
it was basically my fault. He says, we have to teach better. That's at Donatel. But he yeah. says, uh, when we're talking about when um, Dancer got pulled, Dancer took the wrong read on that one play that gave up the touchdown. Dancer didn't comply with his assignment and then got pulled afterwards. It was the he said the player failed on his assignment. He didn't pull him. He didn't point him out ex- exactly. He didn't mention him. We all knew it was Dantzler, but he didn't mention Dantzler by name. He says we've got to teach it so they know their reads better. They know their assignments. So Bynum doing the right thing coming up was doing the right thing. Dantzler should have gone deep, and they would have got it. You keep that. You never criticize somebody in public if you're a coach, right, like Zimmer did. That was one of Zimmer's faults. Press loved it because, hey, it's fodder. But there's something you don't want to do. Yeah, can you pull him back in the office afterwards and say, hey, we're on the sideline and say, hey, you know, Tiny Dantzler, I know you saw the flash and you wanted to break on it. But you gave up the touchdown because you went that way instead of following your guy further downfield. You made the wrong decision, right? And then you teach those. And then Donald tells right, you got to teach those. And he preached. It's going to take time to learn this new offense. Oh, yeah. They come from Zimmer to the Donatel offense. But I think he took a better approach on it than just, hey, it's all my fault, guys. I'm sorry. I'll take it. I'll take it. That only lasts so long. You can only do that so many times before people are like, you know, a coach is always going to blame it on himself anyway, so it doesn't matter what we do, right? Yeah. Um, you don't want the players that. You want You want some of the players owning it. I wish Kirk Cousins would have owned it afterwards on his postgame presser. But, of course, he reverted back to normal Kirk Cousins. I'll have to watch the film. I'll, I don't think, you know, each, each interception has its own story. And on this one, once upon a time, I was hopping <laughs> back. Oh, God, that infuriated me to no end. But I go off. There's my rant. Well, that was a good rant, David. Uh, yeah, I mean, there was a lot of things that went wrong here. Everybody knows that. Like, uh, like again, one of those wrong things was you, you mentioned Ed Donatel. Well, what was Ed Donatel doing? Uh, I agreed with the strategy. We talked about it last week about how uh, you don't want to maybe – Blitzing Jalen Hurts isn't a great idea because Detroit tried it and he burned them bad. So I was all in favor. It's on record of rush four, have seven back, seven eyes on him, uh, see what happens. It did not work. <laughs> not in the first uh, half. Not in the he, first half. And he when did it make did, adjustments in the second half, and they didn't score any But points. it was. But that did, was not working the first half. I, I felt that it was too slow. We did the same thing over and over and over in the first half, and it wasn't working. I don't know why changes weren't made uh, earlier than they were. Um, you know, it's unacceptable on, on the offensive thing. It's unacceptable for Dalvin Cook to only get six rushes and only get 17 yards on those on those six rushes. So, uh, you know, that is a more of an offensive line thing, I think, and they've got to do a hell of a much better job uh, opening – creases and holes for <laughs> for Dalvin Cook or Alexander Madison than they did last you know last game. Um and here I've got a quiz here. You talk about Dalvin Cook on the not very many yards. Who said it? And uh Raymond's got this 
covered up. Um, but says they both didn't <laughs> run the ball enough. Well, that's what KOC said after uh, in his presser uh, after the game, and uh, and uh, and he and and he also talked about how first half twenty only twenty one offensive plays. It's, so it's really hard to run the ball or pass the ball enough in that case because they just didn't sustain long enough drives um, throughout throughout that whole first half. But you know, as badly as as the Vikings played, particularly offensively uh you know there, we, we still had chances to be to be in the game irv smith drops a short touchdown pass that that would have made it 21 14 who knows what happens after that even after that then o'connell makes the decision with 28 seconds left in the half and it looked like the eagles are going to run out the clock it was third and six he calls a timeout gambles because he said hey maybe we can get the ball back and, and get a, a score of some sort didn't happen uh, Eagles convert on the third and six easily and march down the field easily on a couple other plays and they kick a field goal and then it's 24 to seven going into the half. We start the half with a great drive, uh, for, you know, and, and then there's an interception at the 19 yard line, you know, where JJ and Kurt Cousins had the miscommunication. We block the field goal, return it to the 30. And you know, it's not your knife when how often do you see a field goal blot like that and we don't, the team doesn't take it to the house. <laughs> like Chris boy gets caught by the long, uh, by the, the, the whole placeholder, <laughs> which was a great, uh, great hell of a play by that Eagles uh, mm-hmm. holder holder there for him to chase down Chris Boyd like that. But we get it at the 30 interception thrown to Thielen. So bunch of stuff. It just wasn't our night, um, but there were opportunities, but it was just one of those nights, David. And you know, um, the, the offense, the explosive offense that we've been looking for, we just have not seen it yet. They were solid in game one, not very good in game two. But if you look at the last six quarters that the Vikings have played, we have scored a total of 13 points in those six quarters. That is not going to get it done <laughs> in the NFL. Uh, you got to do better, like we've said. Uh, the But the... But uh, the, the good news, I think, is that, like I said last week, like we said last week after, you know, a big win over that team from Wisconsin, hey, first game of the season, funny things happen. Don't read too much into it. Don't get too excited. We're not going 17-0. I think the same thing also holds for a bad early season loss, especially on the road. Uh, like, again, don't get too excited. Don't get too worked up over it. Uh, wow. we got to move on. The Vikings are still 1-1. One one. Uh, I, I would have we all would have been a lot happier if it was a close game and the Eagles yeah. won, right? Yeah, because they would right. say, hey, the Eagles, we figured that was going to be a tough team. It's on the road. You know, our team's still learning, et cetera, et cetera. We're cool with that. But it was such a blowout that it that it pushed buttons. Oh, um, yes. And to see not only a blowout because – our offense couldn't score points, but that when it got bad, we turned on bad Kirk switch, right? Which just compounded it. And like I said, it's not all Kirk's fault. I don't blame it all on Kirk. This was a team loss across the board. The one guy that should Correct. take the most heat on it is the one that's pictured on the screen, Right. He needs to recognize when something wrong, and this happens in all of football, 
something wrong can go or something can happen that goes wrong, right? And the game doesn't look like it's in control. He needs to be able to take his experience and then rein that back in a bit, right? Um, it's something that hopefully he learns from because we need him to learn from that, right? Drew, I saw you had a tough game today too, but at least you guys reined it back in and got your win. It's something that Kevin O'Connell's got to learn to do because it doesn't matter if Kirk's here or we're on to our next quarterback, right, or whatever it is, these games happen in the NFL, and he's got to learn to manage those and bring them back under control. They seem to spin out of control in that first half. At Donald Tell got the defense to settle down in the second. There were things in the offense that got better in the second half. We had opportunities. We had opportunities in the first half towards the end. Not for Irv Smith's drop ball. You know, different things that the Eagles could have let us get back in. We could have gotten really close. But it just didn't happen. And, yeah, these games happen, but you don't want to see them happen. So you've got to be able to control that better. And it just takes time and it takes practice and it takes forethought. The thinking of the what ifs. What if this happens? What if that happens? What if what if they line up in a zero rush? Who's got the call there on the protection? When you're zero rush, when you've got one man more than you have blockers, that man goes to the quarterback. He's got to figure out what to do. Generally, that's a hot route. Um, you got somebody coming over the middle, and he's got to be able to. Well, Kirk may have wanted a hot route on that play, right? He may have recognized the zero rush, but he didn't have one. There wasn't one call. That's Kevin O'Connell. That's not Kirk Cousins. That's Kevin O'Connell not preparing him for it. Hopefully, this was as hard or harder on the coaches this week as they recognize those things that they've got to work on and fix. They do that, we have a chance. They don't do that, we're going to see more of the same. Because I guarantee you, just like Clover Quinn says, it's real simple. You get Kirk uncomfortable, you have a chance to win the game. And that it's a copycat league. Detroit saw that, hey, look at all those blitzes. They just killed the Vikings with those blitzes. Guess what? We're going to add them to our package. (laughs) It's going to happen this week. So you better come up with a way to defeat it, to get around it, to negate it, to, you know, do other things so that they don't feel they have the full availability to blitz anytime they wish, right? Make them pay for it. If they're going to blitz, make them pay for it. Then they will no longer blitz. Then they will no longer blitz, yes. I, yeah, and uh, just looking at, but uh, getting back to a little bit about what I was trying to get across about not overreacting to a win or a loss in games one and two of the season. Um, yeah, the Vikings got to bounce back. O'Connell's got to have them better prepared. They got to play much better against Detroit. All true. Uh, we're still one and one though. And if you look at our, again, we talked about this in other shows during the year, earlier in the, in the spring, like a, the, the, the next slate of games that they have, you got the lines coming up, Saints, Bears, Dolphins, Cardinals. None of those teams look like Super Bowl contenders, right, David? Uh, I, you know, if the Vikings play like they did 
a lot closer to like they did against that team from Wisconsin, then I think that you know, like a, I think a five and two, maybe even six and one, it's still there for them, right? Oh, and then eight, that happens, and then that candy. happens, and then and then nobody's talking about this loss in Philly anymore. They're talking no, about the only thing they're talking, they're talking about, about is the revenge game in the playoffs. Yeah. So. But yeah, but yeah, but uh, you're not going to get there. You're not going to get five and two, six and one playing like you did last Monday night. <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, so we just, they got to move on for it and they got to be better prepared. And O'Connell has got to, uh, players have to play better. Like Mike Zimmer used to say. And, uh, but O'Connell and his coaching staff have got to, they got to bring their A game too. And they did not bring it on Monday night to mm-hmm. any, any, in any way, shape or form. <laughs> Packers played bad and redeemed themselves. Ah, they won. Um, let's hopefully that they don't get any better, Aaron, because we don't want them. I want to see them uh, regress. <laughs> On to theme two. Theme two. You wanted to start out with this man and his draft. Yes, David. I, I know uh, it's early and everything, uh, and uh, but uh, but it, it. I still can't help but notice, even after two games, that you know, Quasi Dofamensa, his twenty twenty two draft class, uh, just are not really having much of an impact right now. And uh, early, but you know, you gotta you gotta bring. You know, I felt like bringing it up. Um, you know, this is this is something that that again, this is Quasi's first set of draft draft his first draft class, his first set of draftees, and uh, you know, people are going to be watching and wondering about the development of those guys and how much they're going to help the Vikings in 2022 and beyond. Um, after two games, we're not seeing much. His first pick overall, Lewis Seen, 32nd overall. Um, we, it was all expected that he'd be a starting one of the starting safety opposite Harrison Smith. Uh, that has not happened. <laughs> he couldn't beat out. He couldn't be. He hasn't beat out Cameron Bynum, a fourth rounder from 2021 yet. Uh, you're looking at um, the second round pick, Andrew Booth Jr. Um, again, he was a guy that uh, he hasn't been wasn't able to beat out Shannon Sullivan or Cameron Dancer for uh, beat them out for playing time. Uh, to start the season. Brian Asamoah, um, he's stuck behind Jordan Hicks and Eric Hendricks uh, on the depth chart right now. That's more anticipated, though. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Correct. Completely. Uh, I, uh, but just pointing out where he is in the pecking mm-hmm. order right now. Uh, fourth rounder, Caleb Evans, starting to play a little bit here and there in those first two. He's gotten some time playing a little bit. Coaches seem to have some trust in him. Uh, Ed Donatel saying that he's earned more playing time, so that's a positive. Um, and then you've got other guys. Asasi Automeo um, hasn't been dressed. Vidarian Lowe hasn't been dressed. Uh, neither has a preseason favorite Ty Chandler, not dressed in the first three games uh, of, the, of, the, of the regular season. Um, now, on the plus side, uh, Ed Ingram the second rounder is playing. He, he earned a start, the, the starting right guard job. He's got it. Uh, we know that he's had some struggles in both games in different areas, but overall, uh, the Viking overall, he is an upgrade even now 
over Aliudo from last year and Dakota Dozer from the year before. Big time. That is and a he's positive. Improving. If you look yeah. at his PFF grades, and I know everybody in PFF, PFF grades, he improved from week one to week two, which is good. And then the, I, there's a favorite clip that I saw yesterday and then again this morning because I loved it. Um, Nate Tice was the one that posted it, said, and Ingram blocked um, the Eagles' big rookie tackle from Georgia. Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis, two gaps down, right? And Ingram didn't block him two gaps down. He tried to drive block him into New Jersey um, <laughs> from Philadelphia. He literally locked him up and carried him all the way down the line of scrimmage. And it's just like, yeah, baby. <laughs> It makes me excited, you know. It's <laughs> I can, just, I, I can that, tell. That's what I want to see from my guards, and and that's that's what he did. And it, and it's just, yeah, he's going to have problems at times. You know, he's had problems with Pat. He he over he oversets sometimes, and he does some things. He'll he'll learn, but he's doing a whole lot of things very well already, and he's got the power. And if he gets that defender locked on, he does not lose. Mm. Just does not lose. And that helps so much. You talked about Oliudo. Oliudo was, he didn't get him locked on. The guy went past him and Oliudo reached around and grabbed. <sighs> holding, yeah. right? I talked about it last week when the shoulder crosses. Boom, holding. Uh, and we know Dakota Dozier couldn't do it. And, uh, yeah. Couldn't do a lot of things. Right. <laughs> and then there was the kid from Oklahoma that uh, had the attitude. Drew Samia. Yep. yep. And it's just, we've waited so long for a halfway decent guard. Guys, he's a rookie in his second game. He wasn't a first-round pick, and he's already better than the guys we had. Yeah. That is a good thing. That is something to be happy about and uh, because you know he's going to get nothing but better over time. And it takes linemen three years. I've showed you the graphs. The normal lineman takes three years to get fully up to speed, and then they, they level out. He's in his first year. Brian O'Neill took time. Darisaw's taking time, but Darisaw's good, right? So uh, – my boy Ezra's good, and Ezra's been a beast a few times this season, too. He's knocking people on their ass. And you got Ingram and Ezra, and they like to put people on the ground? Hell yes! That's the type of guards we haven't had in 10 years. I want that. Please. It is good. Um, I, so Ed Ingram <laughs> Cameron Gillies, Packers own the Vikings. Yes, Cameron. <laughs> what happened in week one? <laughs> um, I think anyways. that, yeah, uh, we digress a little, but that's all. But right. appreciate the, that you're here watching. The uh, so Ingram is a real plus. The uh, but uh, I think out of all those guys, um, again, like you were saying, Asamoah, it, we we expected that he would not play much, 
uh, early on, you know, because he'd be stuck behind Kendricks and, and Hicks and that his contributions probably would be on special teams uh, for the first year. Hopefully, as the year went on, Ed Donatel figures out ways, either packages, specialized packages or situations where he can work Asamoah in there. But uh, Asamoah being uh, not contributing that much is, is not unexpected. I'm not really unexpected that guys like Ty Chandler and Vidarian Lowe aren't dressing either. Right. But I think that the, but the real uh, but the real disappointments, it, it, I think, are, again, seen in Booth. Those are two guys. Again, we, the Vikings had a veteran team. We know that. They didn't have a whole lot of roster uh, starting spots that were open to rookies going in. But seen and Booth, even if they couldn't be starters, they there was an opera. You know, the Vikings had a need at both the safety and the cornerback position for rookies to come in and make an impact. And I think that your first two picks in a draft – uh, first rounder in your first your first pick in the second round, they should have to. I think they should be expected to, and a lot of times they have to make a positive impact. And so far, they haven't. Whether in, in both guys' cases, injuries has hit them a bit, particularly for Booth, he's about to miss his third, basically his third game with a quad injury, um, and Seen had the knee injury that kept him out of the first game. But even when Seen was healthy in the preseason, he was pretty quiet, didn't really make any notable plays. Uh, and again, he hasn't been able to beat out Cameron Bynum yet. And uh, I just, you know, I, I expected more out of those guys. We just haven't seen it yet. And it's way, you know, really early, David, of course, very early, early days, too early to make a call at all on this draft class 2022, Quasi Mensa's first draft class. But I think that, uh, you, you know, uh, that that draft class is going to be something that a Viking fan like myself, like you, like all other Viking fans are going to be monitoring the impact that the 2022 draft class, Quasi Adolfo Mensa's first draft class, like the impact that they make on the Vikings. And then at the end of the year, particularly if the Vikings season doesn't go the way we expected and the 22, 2022 draft class continues to not make much of a positive impact outside of Ed Ingram, uh, I think that's going to chip away a little bit at the at Viking fans' belief and whether Quasi Adolfo Mensa is the right guy because there was a you know we had all kinds of c- complaints about Rick Spielman and him missing on draft picks, especially early ones. The the expect expectation is that Quasi Adolfo Mensa would going be to fix like is going to fix that. And if the the draft class is looking after one a uh, one year that it's not so not so good, <laughs> yeah, then but there's going to be I, doubts. Draft class generally need three years to yes. develop before you can really evaluate them. You know, and we've seen it through Rick. We've seen it with other teams, right? They get hey, they won the draft, absolutely fantastic. Then they're horrible. Or we've seen hey, they lost the draft, and then they come out with three Pro Bowlers out of Right, it's just it takes time. Yes, the injuries to Asim, uh not Asimov, but to Booth, his quad, and you got to remember quads like a hammy. If it's what I think the injury is, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a bruise. He if he if he's got a quad pulled, that's like a, pulling your hammy. You're looking at three to four weeks, easy. Um, and generally, my study of it, if Either the hammy or the quad, one is stronger than the other in proportion, how they are built on the leg. If one is weaker, um, it does cause more injuries on that side. 
via if somebody gets a lot of hammy pulls, his quad's too strong. If they get a lot of quad pulls, their hemi's stronger, unequally strong versus their quads. They need to they need to balance that out uh, to reduce that. Um, and uh, Lewisine, he had the knee aggravation at the beginning. He's coming off. I think with Lewisine, you're also getting some of the <clears> – <throat> He's not quite getting the speed and the assignments down. <clears throat> they said on an interview that he had to he had things simplified for him when he was in the game. I think that's why Josh Metellus is going to get the start come Sunday. But you're going to see Scene play in there. Once Scene starts to get it, once it clicks, right? It's like learning something hard, learning calculus or learning something more advanced. You may you struggle to get the proficiency, but then once it clicks and set in, sets in, boom, you've got it and you can fly. And I think with Lewisine, that's going to happen. Hopefully sooner than later. Yes. Uh, with Booth, hopefully that happens as well. Um, that he makes the right coverage choices and beats out Dantzler because Dantzler's obviously missing on some of those coverage choices. Caleb Evans obviously has demonstrated that he's getting some of those correct coverage um, assignments. So you hope they take those They take those steps sooner than later. They get healthy and they take those steps. But we'll see Seen on Sunday. Obviously, we won't see Booth because he's already been ruled out for another week. Yes. He says he told Doogie Wilson this week on a locker room interview, and it's good to see the press guys back in the locker room, that he will be ready for the Saints game. Mm-hmm. He's that's, real yeah, close that's what he's indicating to this weekend. And and James James zero six had asked if if uh, Smith and I'm assuming he means Harrison Smith had been ruled out for Sunday and yes he has yes, he, he is has. not playing. Mm-hmm. So it's, and we'll yeah, get to that when at, we get to theme three. We'll go over the answer. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, it's hey, I want to tell Crazy stick to it, get better. You know we trust in your system. You just got to press. Make sure, tweak it, make sure it's right. Now it's on to my favorite time of the show. Talking about beer. Drew asked me what I was drinking. I am drinking St. Arnold, who happens to be the patron saint of beer. Uh, It's called Double Down. It's an IPA. It's a 9.2% IPA brewed up in Dallas. Why do I drink a locally, relatively locally brewed here in Texas uh, beer? Because I don't have access on a regular basis to Lake Monster. I wish I did. Absolutely, guys. I wish I did. They make fantastic beer. Matt sent me a a care package, and it was absolutely wonderful. This week, they have coming out, again, their 2022 version of Lunatic Fresh Ale. They've got a whole batch of hops in here over the last few weeks. And hops is is a flower, believe it or not, even though it's green, it's a flower, that they use to flavor beer with, right? And you can see Matt's hand hooking up a bunch. And if you ever get a chance to hold hops in your hand, squeeze it together and smell, it's just absolutely wonderful. Well, Lunatic's one of their favorite all-time beers for their patrons. I suggest you go try some. It is absolutely outstanding. 
from what I'm being told. So, um, on tap this week, they have everything that's on tap that you can get in a goblet is brand new to being on tap versus last week. They've got pomegranate, uh, hibiscus sour, if you like your sours. You have lunatic up there, 6.2. It's an IPA. It's good. Uh, this one I'm intrigued about, the Golden Lotus. Talk about a holistic approach, the, you know, the Aaron Rodgers type deal. You know, you can imagine sitting, you know, a lotus flower in a pond and Buddhism and all works, and it's absolutely wonderful. It's 8.2 ABV, right? So you're getting very economic drinking. The less you drink, you know, it's not like drinking a Bud Light where it's going to take three of them to roughly be equivalent to what you just drank in that Golden Lotus. And I guarantee you that Golden Lotus probably tastes outstanding. And then they brought oatmeal stout back onto the poles so you can have a fresh one there. And again, down there in Cairns, it's Oktoberfest season. And uh, that is what is presently on tap at Lake Monster. And I don't want you to forget that they have the Monster Bash, sponsored with 89.3 The Current on the 29th. You can get your tickets. They they have live music starting at 1 o'clock all the way going into the evening. And they have their Cask Cave with eight unannounced beers. They're going to be available along with our hot apple cider. Should be fantastic. You want a good day to have fun. And this is before the game on the 30th. So, you know, get primed up. And if you can't make the game in person tomorrow, they got it on the big screen at Lake Monster. Just go there. You got all of right. great beer in the world. and You could watch it with friends and family and have a great time. On to theme three, the final three, as we look into the game. Vikings hosting the Detroit Lions. Indeedy. Start out with our normal slides, information slides. Here's your, uh, the final injury report coming out. Andrew Booth is out. Harrison Smith is out, rolled out by the Vikings. Eric Kendricks is a questionable. He came down. He was limited on Friday with a toe injury. We all know toes can be minor or they can be major lasting all season long, depending on what it is. Hopefully this is just a minor toe injury and we see him out there. But we do not know. Lions. Have John Kaminsky out. Jonah Sack last week. Yep. Jonah Jackson, their guard, out, which should help rushing. TJ Hawkinson is questionable. Agent Aiden Hutchinson, their new rookie defensive end, is questionable. Frank Ragnow, the great uh, center, is questionable. But one of the... Um, Local podcast guys I've listened to talk to his sister. They he plans on playing. He he got the family the entire family tickets. They're going to be there. Expect Ragnar to play. 
Um, and DeAndre Swift is also on there as questionable. Uh, it is, it's going to have to take an awful lot to get him out of the game. Uh, it'd be nice, but we'll see. Offense versus defense. Folks, this is a small sample size. We're only talking two games. And that was not the one I wanted to delete. Um, so, the Me it is true. what it is. <laughs> the, the, everything in the Vikings stats went down because of Monday night's game. Yeah. Surprise, surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they played like shit. Mm-hmm. Now, you can see, though, PFF does not like the Lions' defense. They have them rank last in power rankings. So, and that is on their home field. you got to remember, Detroit's played their first two games at home. They have not been on the road yet. This is their first road game. So if they play even worse on the road, that gives the Vikings the opportunity to take um, advantage of a poor defense. Now, Football Outsiders has them middle middle to lower part of the pack, but... uh, like I said, PFF does not like him, and you can see all the Elias numbers there. Over-unders 53, Vikings are favored by six. Mm. When we look at the Vikings' defense, it got worse, no shit, um, both on PFF and on Football Outsiders. PFF does not like the Lions' offense. I don't know why. They're scoring 35 points a game. They're the number one scoring offense in the league. But no, PFF has a heartburn on it. So, hey, that's PFF. Uh, Football Outsiders with DVOA has them higher. They have them at eighth, and they have the run at number two. They are the number one running team in the league so far in two games. But remember, two games, small sample size. Um, It is what it is. Special teams, Vikings went down again, but they only went down to sixth. Greg Joseph is awesome. He only had one one opportunity to kick field goal last week. His kickoffs were fabulous. It's the one good thing about the Monday night game is special teams played great. Um, they, they have did, yeah. they have uh, special teams on the Lions as third. So uh, Drew says Lions are fools gold, fools gold, gold. That may be quite possible. Uh, I'll put that up. Are they getting their fans all psyched up just to dash their hopes, shake their heads <laughs> like a normal Lions team, right? Could be. Could be, yeah. Like it used to be, David, when uh, the Vikings needed a get-right get game, uh, if, uh, like the Lions were the perfect tonic, right? Like they'd be mm-hmm. almost a guaranteed win, especially if they were coming into Minnesota to play, where they, they rarely win. Uh, but uh, – this year, maybe not so much, right? Like the the the, the Lions look like uh, like an improved, much improved team under Dan Campbell in his second year, at least offensively in particular, than they were last year when uh, they've already won one game after two games this year. Last year took them till week thirteen when they lost, when they beat the Vikings mm-hmm. to get their first win of the season. Uh, so they're well ahead of schedule already, and uh, and in those two games. Again, the, the, it's been the Lions' offense that has been like the, the real the real eye opener. Uh, Seventy four points combined in those two games, uh, eight hundred and thirteen yards in total offense, and, and 
and in those two games, they've also been able to get explosive plays pretty consistently. Uh, DeAndre Swift, the guy in the, that's in that photo there making a hard cut mm-hmm. or about to, he had a 50-yard run against um, the, the Eagles in week one, and he had another 50-yard run last week against Washington. In his other five carries, he only had, I think, a total of six yards, <laughs> though uh, he didn't carry the ball very much last week uh, for whatever reason. And then uh, uh, Amon Ra St. Brown also, he had a 58-yard run, I believe, a jet sweep against Washington as well last week. So they've been getting a few big chunk plays uh, consistently in each game. Uh, and uh, really, uh, so their, their offense is, is dangerous, uh, I think. Uh, I think the, the, the big difference right now, David, for them compared to other years, uh, the Matt Stafford years in particular, like, uh, is there so far they've been able to run the ball and the running game has been, you know, pretty good. Again, like ranked number one, I think, by Football Outsiders or ranked number two, I think you hit up there. Um, you know, I was looking at some stats. For up until this year, it seems like Detroit has never had a running back you had to account for for mm. ages. Like when Barry Sanders Not was there from nineteen, yeah. yeah. So when Barry Sanders was there from nineteen eighty nine, I looked it up to nineteen ninety eight when he he retired, uh, which is ten seasons. He ran for a thousand yards every year, every year. Uh, since then, which is twenty four seasons since Sanders retired, Detroit has only had four players rush for a thousand yards in 24 seasons Four. Yeah, reggie bush was one of them reggie bush was one james stewart ran for a thousand yards a couple of times uh and then uh there was somebody else who i'm forgetting but reggie bush in 2013 uh-huh. was the last lion rusher to rush for a thousand yards and he only ran for like a thousand and six like he barely got over it so for all those seasons 24 seasons you didn't really have to worry about the detroit run game because they didn't have a very good one now they didn't have they a very do. good team period no they did a lot of things badly but running the ball consistently they could not do uh at least with stafford they could throw the ball but they never were able to run it. Uh, and now they are, the, at least through two games, they're able to run it. And DeAndre Swift, even though last week he had one big run and didn't do much else, but he is a guy who has shown uh, he's this year that he can be, he can make big chunk explosive plays. Uh, he looks like he is the running back that they've been looking for since they got rid of Barry Sanders. Not that he is Barry Sanders, not even close, but he looks like a pretty good running back, one that you've got to account for, a uh, one that can can go for 100-plus yards on you. And so with the, the, the Detroit offensive line, which is, looks pretty good, uh, and you got, mm-hmm. yeah, got DeAndre Swift, who looks like he's coming into his own, uh, the Viking. This is going to be a test for a Vikings run defense, which has not looked, particularly last week, is not did not look very good. Uh, they're going to have to play much better and stop the the Lions' running game from getting those big explosive plays. You want to see and, how and that make, went? I'll show you how that went. Good. You, you can't read this. I know, guys. Before you say, Dave, it's too. Dave will read it up for you. Dave will read it up for you. Granted, I know you can't read it. It's. Too small for me. Thanks, Drew. Um, <laughs> uh, but you had pointed out the three guys that you had hoped would fix it, being Harrison Phillips, uh, Jordan Hicks, uh, Zadarius Smith, and Jordan Hicks. Well, <clears throat> Harrison Phillips is the top yellow one. He's doing okay. Uh, 
Sedarius Smith is the middle guy. He's uh, not doing so great against the run. Sedarius Smith does good against the pass, but we're talking rushing defense. And then you get down there on the bottom one, um, Hicks, you show there, uh, is, eh, he's doing okay. His scores are horrible, but he's doing okay. What I look for on this one, and here, I'll do this. I'll blow this up. Ooh, he enlarged it a little. Yes. Um, we look here. Let's see if I can get it even bigger. AVDT is average yards. Um, they get per tap before they tackle them. And would you stop doing that? Sorry, guys. My scroll bar controls is not working the way it's supposed to. Okay. AVDT is how far they tackle. How far down the field. You look at the bottom of that, DJ Wanham with only one tackle. It's the worst. He caught somebody 29 yards downfield. Okay. But if you look at Zedaria Smith, Zedaria Smith on four tackles is 0.3 yards behind the line of scrimmage. That's good. Anytime you're stopping guys behind the line of scrimmage, that's good. The best one behind the line of scrimmage on only one tackle is Patrick Jones. But on three, at point three, that's good for Zedaria Smith, even though his grade isn't bad. Harrison Phillips is at four. I would hope any tackle by a defensive lineman within two yards of the ball is basically line of scrimmage. You're fine. So he's eh, right? You're hoping he gets back. But you can see there isn't. This is only two games, small sample size, right? Mm -hmm. You can't take a lot for it, but it is there. You wish it was better. Uh, it is what it is. And what it is is not very good, but uh, but th th that's a so that's got to be a, an issue. Um, on the on the other side of things, I think that uh, the Vikings are going to have to have a plan for Amon Ross St. Brown. He's uh, he's uh, got 17 catches already mm -hmm. in two games, three touchdowns. Uh, he's looking like an excellent second round selection by the, by the Lions from last year. Uh, if he he's he's had eight straight games of eight catches or more. If he gets eight catches tomorrow against the Vikings, that'll be an NFL record. Uh, uh, you know, so the Vikings, the Vikings couldn't cover anybody Monday night <laughs> uh, against Philly, well, and no. so they've got to have a plan to account for and limit the amount of touches and impact that I'm on around St. Brown has um, the lines added DJ shark. He hasn't really been had a big impact yet for them. Didn't have a big impact when he was with Jacksonville either, but they brought him in to be an extra guy. But right now, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown is having a big impact for the for the Lions and a positive one, and the Vikings have got to shut him down. Uh, and the other thing that's going to help, too, um, on Monday night, the Vikings got very little pressure against Jalen Hurts. Uh, Daniel Hunter and Zadarius Smith in particular were not very effective. I know that the Eagles' offensive line is supposed to be really good, and that was a tough test, but uh, Jared Goff is a guy... Uh, if he's given time, uh, you know, he's quite similar to Kirk Cousins in that, this way in that, uh, you know, he's not a bad quarterback at all. If you give him time, uh, he, he can distribute the ball. Uh, hell, he got the Rams to a Super Bowl one year. Uh, but uh, like a lot of quarterbacks, 
if you pressure him, his efficiency goes way down. And actually, uh, with Goff, it goes down. He's got the reputation of, you know, like Cousins, you get pressure on him, you get him rattled, and then he is just completely useless. He's uh, much. The Vikings, yeah. The Vikings, particularly Zadarius uh, Smith and Daniil Hunter, they have got to put consistent pressure on Goff. Doesn't mean they'll sacks all the time. Just get him jumpy feet, get him throwing off of the wrong platforms at the times he doesn't want to throw, get him to throw early, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Get him flustered. Uh, and I think that that's a big part of the success. Uh, the problem is that Detroit's tackles, Taylor Decker, and then Penny Sewell, particularly Sewell, is turning into like the dominant left tackle that people were expecting. So that is it. Those two guys are going to be a tough matchup for Hunter and Zadarius Smith and Daniil and, and DJ Wanham and Patrick Jones and whoever else is playing on the outside. But they've got to, they can't let Goff sit back there like they let Hertz sit back there. Right. Because or else, if they do that, he's, he's going to have a successful he, game. He's going to have a successful game. He's going to have time to find TJ Hawkinson. He's going to have time to find Amon Ross St. Brown. And it looks like right now nobody can cover Amon Ross St. Brown for a long period of time. Right. And you know they're running a balanced attack where they're they're yes. successfully rushing to the fact that they're the number one rushing team in literally in pro football, averaging 7.2 yards per carry. But a lot of That's that is amazing. Uh, but well, a lot of that is based on those three chunk yeah. plays that they got in the first three games, which were like a, a, over 150 yards total and on three carries. But still, they're running the ball well, and that's what Dan Campbell, when he got there, was uh, was said it was all about anyway. And the whole we're going to bite kneecaps and all that stuff. Everybody laughed, but he has made he, he is molding them into. Uh, the kind of culture that he wants is like a tough, hard nosed team. Um, defense, you know, when it comes you. to when it comes to offense. Vikings offense versus the the Lions defense. Uh, the Lions defense, uh, that's the part where that looks like they're the part that you really can expose. They've given up a lot of yards and a lot of points in their two games. And, uh, and they don't really, they've got Charles Harris, uh, who had a breakout year last year and is following it up this year with pretty good play. And they got Aiden Hutchinson, who had three sacks last week against Washington. And he looks like the real deal already. Hopefully he doesn't play on Sunday, but I'm I'm betting he does. But uh, if if Hutchinson is is going to be a problem if he if he plays, I, I do feel good about Brian O'Neill and Christian Derisaw mm-hmm. on the tackles. I think they can handle those guys and and neutralize them to a good degree. Uh, but uh, overall, the Lions' defense is a defense that I don't feel they they have a lot of players who are not high level high impact players they've got to go still have a lot of talent they need to acquire there and you can move the ball on them and you can score on them and this is the vikings offense has the talent where they should be able to move the ball on this lions defense and uh, what i do feel good about even though the the vikings have not had the explosive offense that we've been looking for yet uh, kirk cousins and dalvin cook uh, didn't you know had some of the probably the one of the, two of the poorest games I've seen them have as Vikings last week against the Eagles, but if you look like Cousins in particular, his numbers against the Lions are ridiculous. Um, so are Cooks. You know, <laughs> well, yeah, but dude, Cousins are even more so, right? Like he's uh, I'm just looking at it here. He's averaged 282 passing yards per game in his career against the Lions. Uh, 19 passing touchdowns, only two interceptions. Uh, 74% completion percentage 
and his his uh, quarterback rating, his passer rating, has been roughly 120 against the Lions and nine career starts against them. That's outstanding. Uh, Dalvin Cook, too, like you said, in six games against Detroit, he's averaged 106 yard, rushing yards per game and has six rushing TDs. Now, he had he didn't play in either of the games last year against Detroit, and he's missed three of the last four that we played against Detroit. But historically, he has had, you know, been pretty effective against Detroit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if those guys, they had bad games last week, I don't think they're going to have two bad games in a row. And I'm expecting, and if they're playing as well as they normally do against Detroit, they're going to put the Vikings offense is going to be extremely effective and they're going to score a lot of points and we're going to win this game. Uh, it'll also help that too. Like again, got to get Adam Thielen involved a little bit earlier than we have. He's been very silent in the first two games. I understand, you know, you want to get the ball to Justin Jefferson who wouldn't, but like you said, David, it's got to be organic, you know, you you know, it's got to be done like not purposely trying to get, Right. Justin Jefferson, 10 touches in the, in the first, first half. If, if the 10 touches happen because he's wide open, sure. But, uh, but yeah, we got to get other guys involved a little bit more. And I expect that the Vikings will target Adam Thielen a fair bit in the first couple of drives. I think that's something to watch out for, that they will make a point to get him the ball early, just to get him in a rhythm, mm-hmm. uh, get Detroit worried about him. And also recognizing that whoever Detroit's best defensive back is whether it's Aduka or somebody else they're probably going to be on Jefferson so it's maybe a good idea to have Thielen go after the the lesser cornerback who might be guarding Thielen or KJ Osborne or whoever it happens to be but I expect Adam Thielen to be much more involved in the first half in this game than he has been the last two and I expect Kirk Cousins and Dalvin Cook to have bounced back and have very good games and if they do uh, this offense is going to hum, and if this offense is humming, uh, the Detroit Lions offense won't be on the field as much, and it's just going to be overall, you know, that's a big recipe for success for the Vikings in this game. Drew talked about the Lions being paper paper Lions or paper, you know, that they're, they're fool's gold kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I sure hope they are. I think the offense isn't fool's gold, but... Uh, but again, if the offense can't get on the field enough because your offense is, is driving the ball taking uh, up consistently, time to, to, taking up time, 10, 12, 13 play drives, scoring and scoring touchdowns on those, it doesn't matter how good the offense is because they're never on the field. Got a point. Got a point. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. Um, it's been great that so many people have joined us today. Uh from Atur, uh, Drew, Funky, Funky, I'm glad you hopped on. Appreciate that. Uh, Musashi, uh, the young kid Cameron Gillis from the Saints, he's getting an early start. Wait till next week, Cameron, and then we'll really get into it. Jonathan, too evil to hope. Uh, who are some of the other great ones that joined today? We miss Mary. I haven't seen Mary on there. Chad. She was on here. Mary was was on here. Okay. Yeah. And uh, James, you guys all rock. As normal. Thanks for stopping in. We appreciate it. And we would love for you to like, subscribe, and ring the bell. It's what moves us up, gets us subscribers, keeps us bumping up so that more of you can see us organically via the, the wonderful algorithm. Um, of YouTube. 
it does help, and we do appreciate it. Also, uh, by tomorrow morning, you'll have up the podcast, the podcast of this. Then again there, like and rate us on your favorite aggregator. Leave a remark. That helps other fans catch us and uh, see, and it makes it happen. Uh, so we can grow and get out to more of you. We've got some great uh, things coming up in the near future. Just stay tuned. It's going to be fun. Tomorrow, of course, we have the game. And at the two-minute warning, we go live with the final score. And it's going to be fun. Skull purple haze. Mm-hmm. Uh, Darren, any last words? Do we... Uh... We each want to give our uh, prediction on the game. I think that's probably the way to wrap it things up. Oh, you can't. You can. I gave mine on Wednesday, and I don't want to repeat it. Okay, yeah. Well, um, I, if if the Vikings had won uh, the Monday Nighter, which obviously they did not, I was actually thinking that this game would be the, the Vikings stub their toe game and that they were going to – to, to lose, but being as they got pantsed against the Eagles, <laughs> I'm predicting a bounce back. Like you said, David, uh, uh, that also this is the first game, uh, the the Lions' first road game. So let's see see how they react. Uh, I'm going Vikings uh, 27, Lions 24. I call Lions 34, 31. Okay. Hmm. I hope I'm wrong. Well, I hope you're wrong. Yes. I hope I'm wrong. Hey, last last year I went a whole bunch against calling against the Vikings and they won each one of them. I hope that's the case this year. <laughs> um but no, it, it could go either way. It depends. Are the the biggest question, are the Lions for real? The answer is well, yes, the real Vikings, on offense. The, yeah. Well, they're gonna be real on both sides. And if they're if yes. the answer is yes, Vikings are gonna have a hard time. If the answer is only on offense and only at home, this should be a bounce-back game for the Vikings. No matter what, no matter what the score is, we want to see a bounce-back game for the Vikings. We want them take it as, you know, like the rookies that we're talking about starting. Ed Ingram's gotten better from game one to game two, right? We're going to see more rookies today. We want to see the coaches and the system get better from week two to week three. That's the big deal. If we can see progress, we'll be happy because we know it's going in the right direction. Do we want to win? Hell yes, we want to win. Do we think we can win? Hell yes, we think we can win. Is, uh, are the Lions a fraud? We'll find out, you know. Detroit fans have dealt with that for five decades now. So, you'll see. But until then, what do we say? We say, Skull Vikings! Skull Vikings! Thanks for watching. Like, subscribe, and ring the bell, and rate us on your favorite aggregator. And a special shout-out goes to our partners, the Daily Norsemen, where the best Vikings content can be found. And to Lake Monster Brewing. Home of the best beer in Minnesota. Skull, everybody. Everybody.